Welcome to The Art of Curation, Flipboard show about the art and science of selection. I'm your host, Mia Qualiarello. I'm a digital curator, community builder, and Flipboard's head of creators. Each episode, I interview tastemakers from different fields who excel at the art of curation. How do they get started? How do they organize themselves? How do they curate for impact and more? Because if you think about it, curation is everywhere. Whether it's a beloved vintage store, a party playlist, or your social media feed, curation is the DNA that makes or breaks experiences. In fact, it's hard to fathom life in this information age without the art of curation. Today, I'm talking to vintage collectors Colin James Weber and Brandon Valoria Giordano. Fashionistas flock to their store James Valoria in Manhattan's Chinatown to find a unique trove of fun, avant-garde, and well-made items from legendary and cutting-edge designers. In this interview, Colin and Brandon tell me how important it is to put forward a vision as a curator. They reveal how they built a community via their store, and I get tips on how to do my own vintage sourcing. I'd love this chat not only because it will benefit my wardrobe, but because of how synergistic and cool Colin and Brandon are. They are partners in business and in life, and I dream of the day when they will take me shopping. Enjoy the interview. So I want to start at the very beginning. You have an idea that you want to have a vintage store. It's very different to want to do this and then to successfully pull it off. So how did you start collecting clothes? With a clothing store, especially vintage, you know, we're all choosing clothes for ourselves our entire lives. So it's not like you're starting completely from scratch with figuring out what you love. And I feel like that's one of the few things we had established uh, pretty quick in the business was what what we liked and what we didn't. A business plan, not so much. Money, not so much. <laughs> Space, not so much. But we knew what we liked with clothing. So um, I don't know, just, fr- just from years of, of thinking about it. And also when you're picking secondhand, you really have to dig through a lot of stuff. You don't just go to the store and buy the new thing that's there. So it kind of forces you to really think a lot about, you know, why do I like this more than this and why? Are your tastes complementary? I definitely think so. I would say I err more on the... Oh my gosh, I was going to say fun, but I don't mean that <laughs> to make yourself not fun. You're, you experiment a lot more with... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I, and maybe it's, you know, I, I enjoy almost a trashy... Um, I'll go for like a, a nightclub-y look. Um, and Colin is a little more buttoned up, but in, a, in like a avant-garde way but I think that they come together and I don't know create a really fun curation for our customers yeah it covers both ends of the spectrum even if we wear the same piece because we do share a closet yeah you'll wear it so differently than I would or style it so differently that it's hardly recognizable I don't feel like we walk around in the same clothes all the time which is nice yeah we have very different style but we like things that are creative and innovative for the time period that they were made in and things that just unique and special, yeah. colorful. How much of this um, do you have to study versus you kind of just pick up along the way? 
so much you pick up along the way, I feel like. And and you study just because you love it so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, and I think for Colin as well, this really was just sort of a, a lifelong hobby that accidentally, or not so accidentally, but just turned out to be, turned into our careers. Um, so, I mean, I remember going to the public library in junior high and getting all of the fashion books and, you know, studying it, I guess, but it was really just what I loved looking at and, and was sort of how I expressed myself creatively, um, when I was growing up. So, yeah, you don't think of it as studying, but it, it's just what you do. And when you have time, it, it's like anything, if you're interested in it, you want to keep learning more and more. I think yeah. for me, it's maybe a little more studied, like looking at books, researching on the internet, and you're a little more intuitive with just seeing people out on the street and like putting together, you know, what's going on in, in fashion. I love being inspired. New York is such an inspiring place. And yeah, what a better, I don't know, it's a great city to, yeah. to find inspiration and no one has a car, so everyone's basically parading around in front of you in whatever they've chosen to wear. So you get a lot of input on what people are wearing just every time you leave the house. Yeah. I love that. How do you sort of track that input? How do you keep track of your inspiration and your ideas? It's on our Instagram. Like social what media. We're into. You know, we're always posting photos. So there's it's pretty easy to kind of scan back and see, like, wow, everything's really colorful right now or mm-hmm. more minimal and black and white or yeah I don't know maybe we should start <laughs> writing things down a little more but <laughs> it's kind of worked and, and we're always talking about it too I think that helps um, about what we're buying what we're excited about so it's it helps to have two people kind of bouncing ideas off of each other I feel like the big question here is where do you find what you sell and what do you do if you're not mourning people, as you told me. I imagine it's pretty competitive to uh, get to estate sales and things like that. We definitely can't walk past a thrift store without going in and shopping. <laughs> we were just in San Francisco and we were like, this is going to be our date day. Uh, one of the days we were yeah, there. We didn't have to see family or friends and we just went to every store that we could and (laughs) it was so fun (laughs) it was so fun but we were like okay we're gonna go to like a cute restaurant or something it's like oh well we'll just like pop in here really quick and then an hour later (laughs) you know we're like finally moving on with our date yeah but it's it truly is an obsession and we also find things from people in new york like we go to people's closets Pre-pandemic, it used to be more of a thing. Now people send us photos of clothes and it's it's not as personal and fun. But uh, like last night, we went to an old client's home that we hadn't been to in a while. And, you know, you have a little wine and you go through their closet and it's this whole fun experience. You hear all of the stories of, about where yeah. she wore all of these things um just talk through like her style now and why she doesn't want this kind of helping people decide what to part with so they feel good about whatever they're getting rid of yeah we've never really well we've never had a car too so (laughs) estate sales have never really been a big part of 
what we do. And I, I don't love the idea of competing with a hundred other people doing the same thing. Right. So we kind of rely more on meeting people, talking to them and, you know, developing a personal relationship where they would bring us their clothes. Maybe someone who comes in and buys stuff says like, oh, I have a whole bunch of this that doesn't fit me anymore and I don't know what to do with it. And then that's the perfect opportunity to get, you know, into their closet somehow or have them bring stuff in. Yeah, we're not competitive people. <laughs> it's a little too intense. I've, I've been there where like a lot of dealers go really early in the morning. I just, I can't deal with it. Are you in a sense competing with like the real real? Like why would a client call you versus going to the real real? True. I guess what we provide is a more personal experience. And, um, you know, I don't know. A lot of our clients haven't had good experiences with the real real. Maybe they don't quite appreciate what they have as, as much mm-hmm. as maybe we do. Mm-hmm. I think it's so there's no personal element to it. So they, when they give stuff to us, they see it go into our store. They see customers looking at it. But the real real, it just kind of disappears into the internet. Um, and it's such a it's such a specific curation, our store. So to have pieces in the store and knowing that they're going to go to, I don't know, artists, people uh, in the queer community. You know, there's our store is curated for uh, such a certain person. Yeah. Especially with older customers thinking about it being passed on to a younger generation. I think that's exciting that that they bought this thing that still is exciting to someone 30, 40 years younger than them. Oh, my God. And I love sharing photos of our customers in the yeah. clothes with our clients that we get, get the clothes from. That's such a great idea. It's like knowing, that. <laughs> knowing that your house went to a, a nice family. Yeah, that's the same idea. Oh, yeah. We're like an adoption agency (laughs) for clothing. (laughs) These people get attached. It's a personal thing, you know. So how do you decide what makes the cut for the store? You know, it's always changing what what we're into and how we curate the store. But we always want the piece to feel, I guess, like I said earlier, innovative for the time period that it was made in. And have sort of a, a sense of humor almost as well. Fashion can get kind of serious sometimes. And we usually stay away from that. Something a little quirky, a little different and well-made. That's always very important. Maybe a special detail. You know, if it's just a plain black skirt, maybe it has like some sort of invisible zipper that like swirls up all of the seams that you can unzip or something to it that makes it unique and and special and that's just thinking about like how am i going to sell this to someone if i'm buying it for less and trying to sell it for more like what what do i know about it that i can tell someone so it has to have some kind of little story or or something special about it there's a historical aspect is from the special collection maybe a runway image that shows it on someone fun or we definitely do a lot of research in that regard too And then how do you juxtapose these items with each other? I guess sometimes it depends. We'll merchandise them maybe based on a certain time period. 
you know, we do special collections pretty often from specific designers. Our first one was Jean-Paul Gaultier about three years ago. Yeah. We did at opening ceremony and we just, we just really focused in on, on that one designer. And it was a great way of just showing everything that we loved about him and sharing that with our, with our customers and our community. And sometimes we'll do a specific region. We did a whole British collection featuring 90s Vivian Westwood and Alexander McQueen. And, oh my God, who was the third? Oh, John Galliano. And John Galliano. But that can be fun because you want to represent their entire career. So you want the earliest pieces, the final collections before they stopped and everything in the middle. So that was kind of a fun way to think about like, where does this piece fit into what we already have, what people are buying every day, what's selling really well and, and try to fill in the pieces. And sometimes you find the perfect complementary piece for another piece that you already have. So mm-hmm. you could kind of sell them as a whole outfit. And then always when building a collection, I think it's so important for you to be to inform your customer of something to instead of just chasing trends and yeah, really push your vision forward and and be like, this is something that I think is really cool. I hope you think it's cool too, rather than, yeah, exactly trying to chase what they may want. It's more about what's already out there, informing them of something new. It's almost like sharing, uh, yeah, sharing something new with your friends or something that, that you think is really cool. What do you hope people feel when they enter your store? From the very beginning, I hope people feel welcome and they don't feel intimidated. I think fashion, especially designer, has this sense of being so precious. Exclusive. um, Exclusive. Vintage stores where you have to buzz the door and they come and look at you to see if you're (laughs) worth it. There's so many of them. I mean, maybe fewer now, but for a while that was such a thing that when we went and saw something like that, we were like, we need to do the opposite. Yeah. Like so warm and so. Yeah. We want to share these things with people and we want people to wear them and love them and go out in them and, and really build a community. I love so much that our store is a place that people just love to hang out and that also people meet each other. Yeah. People run into each other at our place, you know, and it's, in context, our store is in a mall on the second floor underneath the Manhattan Bridge. It's not easy to get to. <laughs> so if you see someone else there and you've both made it in there, you both kind of have something in common already, just that you knew it existed. I feel like it does form a community. Yeah. It's such a fun clubhouse little vibe, and I, I really love it. Yeah, there's no windows to the outside, so you're really kind of cut off. You're just in this funny little fashion bubble. <laughs> Like in a fashion casino. <laughs> yeah. Do you do any kind of community events or things to facilitate that connection in the store? We do. I mean, we used to more. It's, yeah, events are hard now. <laughs> yeah. A lot of virtual thing. <laughs> but um, yeah, we used to have like big parties, friends DJing. And then, of course, whenever we would do a special collection, we have one coming up. We... We have a big opening. Even with, we usually try to get everyone who's kind of been involved in any way from the beginning to like 
be in a photo or I don't know, just make sure that everyone feels kind of part of whatever event is happening, that they were all partly responsible for it. Our customers and our community are the reason why we're able to have a store. And yeah, do instead so of just well. hiring a model who will look good in all the clothes, it's more fun to have it on a friend who was kind of involved and who also looks good in the clothes. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. No, we have try to find something for everyone. So everyone's got their look or about we're planning another big photo shoot like that soon. So we're kind of thinking about it. What's something a lot of people misunderstand about vintage clothes? I don't know. I feel like we're going through a, a moment right now where people are really loving it. Yeah, people you would never <laughs> expect before. I think for a long time there was like this, people were just like, oh, it's secondhand clothing. I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe yeah. not in the Bay Area living there. I mean, no, I feel like everyone thrifted, but. With certain people, there's an attitude of like, why would you choose something used if you can buy something new? It was maybe seen more as like an alternative if you can't afford the real thing or I don't know, don't have other options. You have hand-me-downs, but now it's become, you know, even the wealthiest celebrities are seeking out vintage pieces where they have, like when someone, I always get really excited when someone buys something from us who has access to anything, like any possible new piece of clothing and they still want to buy something from the past that we've chosen. Like that's a really exciting step forward, I think, for vintage. Yeah, I agree. And it's, yeah, it's the most ethical way of shopping and chances are no one else is going to have the same thing that you have. Yeah. I just realized that I don't necessarily know the definition of vintage. Oh my gosh. Well, it's, it has changed. It used to be items that are 15 years or older. I've heard 20. I've heard, has, I've heard 20. Yeah. There's not a very strong, I remember kind of an older generation of vintage dealers telling us like, this isn't vintage because it's not 50 years or something like that. And I was like, I think, I don't know. I don't really care. Like, I'm not going to get hung up on the details. And now I see like 10 years, even a lot of people calling things vintage. Oh my God. I, know, I feel like it keeps changing. But I feel like we see things, there's so much new stuff. Things change so fast that now less time can pass and people still feel like that's like a different generation's clothing. What? advice would you give to people about looking forward from their closets? Like, should they hang on to clothes that could potentially have value later? Or how should they think about fast fashion in terms of vintage? Will that ever become something that would be valuable? I'm pretty ruthless with my closet personally. I really let go of things. But we have an entire store to choose from, so we can go <laughs> grab something new every other day. That's true. But there's, I mean, the, in the fashion world, it has slowed down a little bit, but it really is like a mouth that does not need to be fed anymore that is full, you know? So I feel like there will always be new things. I don't know. I don't, I don't really regret letting go of anything. Yeah, I feel like people should... It can if help you to clean wear it, it, you yeah. know, like clean up the things out. you never wear. And maybe you'll see things that you will wear that were just hidden behind all of the stuff. Like sometimes you kind of have to pare it down to realize 
what you even have. Right. So whether it's fast fashion or, or not, I think a pared down closet is always an easier one to dress yourself from than holding on to everything forever, just in case someday you fit into it or want to give it to someone or, or whatever. I feel like it's always good to just keep editing until you really love everything you have. And then it's, it's so much easier to put together outfits. And then you don't really need fast fashion because you have all of these pieces that will last hopefully a long time that you love, that you wear a lot. And then when they wear out, you know that that's sort of the thing you want to replace in your closet. Yeah. In regards to collecting and whatnot, I don't, I mean, even we try to hold on to things because we know they're so valuable, but I just think that clothes really should be shared and worn and loved. Yeah. In general, clothes are for wearing even the most beautiful, special clothes we always say are, are to be worn, like put it back out into the world. If you're not going to be the one to wear it. That's great advice. Speaking of putting it back out into the world, I'm very curious about your thrift store tips. I mean, I can enter a Salvation Army and I'm like, there's nothing here. Can you find something in any, in any thrift store? And what are your secrets? At this point, I can sort of see maybe an interesting print or that the quality of something, you know, even if you just feel everything on the wrap. Yeah, I feel like touching fabrics for me is... If, you know, if you can't look at each piece and you're just kind of flipping through, you're like, oh, this feels a little nicer than all the other stuff. I wonder what it is that probably has some, you know, something worth looking at. Yeah. And you pull it out and you're like, oh, wow, that was a great piece. I don't know. Yeah. Most of the time. Um, yeah, I definitely look at fabrics and I, re- I mean, we're really thorough. I mean, we go through everything divide and conquer we'll split up the store and meet in the middle show each other what we found yeah i think we're very patient people because you know i'll go with friends sometimes because they're always like take me thrifting it'll be so fun and i'm like i don't know yeah, you're gonna is... get exhausted <laughs> it's going to be hours of looking through and maybe not find anything because that's always a possibility yeah 15 minutes later they're like sitting somewhere on their phones just like get me out of here <laughs> Yeah, patience, I would say, is the biggest key. Yeah. You two seem very synergistic. What's it like to be in in business together? <laughs> it's another thing we never planned for. It it really just happened. And maybe it's why we are drawn to each other in the first place. But I think we are really complementary, even with our skill sets, the things we like to do. There's enough that we kind of meet in the middle on, but... We're very oh, different. God. But we are very, yeah, I was going to say we are very different. And we, with the business, we do very different things for it, which kind of gives us our alone time. I mean, like after this, I'm probably going to go to the store, do some merchandising. There's a lot of things that I do. Call yeah. He's interacting with people, it's on social media, and that's the stuff that. I don't love so much. So I'm more on the back end. I can be out thrifting or doing shipping, putting things on our website, stuff like that, which I know you don't want to do. So it really works out. We don't compete. We're not trying to both do the same things. So we really spend our entire days apart from each other. And then, Mm -hmm. yeah, most evenings we'll have dinner together. And then we like 
catch up on what we did that day. <laughs> and it feels like you're build, you know, you're really building something together and that's such a romantic thing to do i don't know and you're like proud to tell the other person all the things you got done that you know (laughs) they'll be excited about too because it all builds up the business we're such like crazy workers (laughs) and like it's it's such fun work what's challenging about your work i think the hard parts are when when we overlap and I mean, the hard parts and it's the most brilliant part is when we overlap in sort of what we're doing and we have very different opinions, we're both really stubborn people. The result, usually our compromise, which honestly takes forever, maybe like a day or two <laughs> of us going back and forth on a subject. And in the end, it turns into something really beautiful that we both came together on. It is, we just both care about it so much. So if we have a strong opinion, it's hard to give in to the other person. It's hard to like, <laughs> even if you know idea. that they have, you know, the store's best interest in mind too. But I don't know, generally working together is pretty surprisingly easy. I feel like lately this, the hardest thing for the store has been, we, we've gotten really busy since things have opened up a little bit. And with vintage, you have to find each individual piece you can't just order a hundred of something. So the right. more we sell, the more we have to find. And it's just a constant search to keep it at the right, a really great quality of stuff at the right level. And just constantly hunting for new things has become basically our entire job. I don't know, the bigger it gets, trying to imagine scaling it up anymore, opening a second store or something. I just, yeah, it would be so much work just to find the, the merchandise. Do you have scouts in other cities that help you? No, No. we really do it all ourselves. Wow. You know, we really do go into every thrift store that we pass by. We look on the internet. We go to people's houses. We use like every possible thing to do. And it's just a lot of work. Yeah. I think it's a lot of work with having to do our social media, with having to do our e-commerce, with designing our website, with, you know, designing this new store. Yeah. I think that right now we're kind of in the team building stage of our business where we're thinking about finding the right people to to do certain things so we're able to just shop for a living, yeah. which is, and, would be so wonderful. And like share our vision with someone who can take it over and maybe add their own elements in, which again, is really hard because we, you know, we've built this up ourselves. So you, you have very specific ideas of how you want things done. And then to pass it off to someone else and trust them to do it is, is very difficult for us. Right yeah, now. that's hard. When you source online, uh, what sites are you going to? I guess, you know, Goodwill has a website. Uh, <laughs> not to blow up our spot, but um, again, it's there just... there any resale site? Yeah, for me, it's just checking all of them all the time. There's not like one Mm -hmm. magical, some I like better than others. Some are easier to search than others for the kind of thing that we're looking for. Mm -hmm. But there are really so many out there and so many that kind of like pull together. Um, What's the one? Gem search. A friend of ours put together something that basically pulls listings off of all of the different websites, even like our own website and eBay and all this stuff and puts it all in one place, which is kind of a cool idea. Do you use Google Alerts or set up alerts for certain brands? I do. I've tried to streamline my searching. 
Um, I have all my searches set up so I can just click through them really fast, see what pops up at the top, what the new, whatever the newest listings are. I set up alerts for the really rare stuff that you really have to be the first one to see it because you know everyone else is looking for it too. Yeah, with the, I mean, with anything online, you, you just know how many other people are searching for the same stuff. So you want to be the first one to see it and you want to, and also just years of experience. We're very ready. We know exactly what it is and are ready to like purchase if it's the right price. I feel like at the beginning, we used to be like, maybe this is too expensive. Maybe this is fake. I don't know. We just didn't have the knowledge to like commit fast enough and other people would snatch it up quicker. But now I feel like we're with confidence comes the ability to like pull the trigger and buy really quickly. Which of today's brands do you think will end up in tomorrow's vintage stores? It's so hard. It's something we're always thinking about, you know, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, what would we be? What are the pieces we're going to be so excited to find? I feel like so much of it is thinking about who's going to wear it and who's going to be excited about it. I guess it just depends on whatever we're into at the time too. I don't know. I mean, I, there's some designers that I enjoy wearing now. I really like Wales Bonaire and Martine Rowe. I think there's a lot of interesting designers coming from London. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if they'll necessarily be like super collectible. I feel like things are a bit more pared down now, especially with so many seasons, things really have to be churned out faster. So even the good quality stuff tends to be a little simpler compared to what we can find from the 80s, 90s, early 2000s even. I think a designer like um, Telfar has such a cultural relevance right yeah. now that Just I... Being in downtown New York, seeing the people who... I feel like it. those pieces will be collectible only in that they're, they'll be very recognizable and will kind of stand for a specific time and culture. How do you think COVID is changing fashion? I think that people, just seeing how people are shopping currently in our in our store, it's changed in that people are like really going for it in regards to what they're buying. You know, before COVID, it was like, I'm going to get the sensible thing I can wear to work and then maybe like wear to dinner afterward. And I guess I won't get this crazy bustier with the cutouts. Yeah, try on the <laughs> crazy never stuff. never going to wear it. And purchase the And practical. now it's like, honey, the world is ending. <laughs> I have this one chance to go out. I am wearing the bustier. I don't give a shit. <laughs> All the rolls are out the window. Um, so I hope, I mean, at least with us, and, and I do see this just with people being out, like even with myself, you know, I'm like, I'm wearing my crazy looks you know? <laughs> like, every day. <laughs> I'm like, this is my chance. Who knows when I'm going to get locked inside again. Yeah. So I think that fashion is having a bit of a fun moment, you know? I mean, I guess if you look at a lot of the designers and the runway stuff now, um, I mean, I guess we were saying things are pared back, but there have been a lot of really fun shows lately. Um, I don't know. I was looking at one this morning that everything was made out of, made to look like cardboard boxes or like the shapes of boxes, um, like people's mail. You know, I'm like, what? This is insane. 
who is going to wear this? And I was like, oh my God, I love that. You know, like <laughs> I hope I see someone wearing this cardboard box walking down the street. This is going to be so fun. So I think that, I don't know if, if anything, it's affected it in a way that people are being pushed to be more creative um, and, you know, draw a little outside of the lines, have a little more fun. Um Hopefully things have slowed down a little in general. I feel like even as a vintage store, we felt a lot of pressure to constantly put out a new collection or expand our space or do something. And I know, you know, the new fashion industry is putting out a new collection every two months, basically now. But hopefully with everything just coming to a total stop for a while, things are, people are thinking a little more about like, do we need to turn out this much clothing? Um, What if we slow down a little bit and, I'm hoping that that's part of it too, just that the entire industry takes a step back and considers things a little more um, instead of just churning out the same stuff to meet the, you know, whatever the investors need to happen to like keep the business going at such a large level. Yeah, that's really been a change in my thinking too, like especially with the water crisis here in California, like not wanting to buy new clothes and just always trying to get secondhand. Yeah. I mean, even in, we just went back to see our families in the Midwest and like there's vintage stores everywhere. And I don't remember that ever being the case where I grew up in Wisconsin. Um, my mom was showing me all the vintage stores and kind of around the town that she just moved to and it, it makes me so happy that it's, you know, it's, you don't have to go to a big city anymore to, to do that. It's really spreading everywhere that people are thinking more about where their clothes come from. Yeah. What are some of the best cities to, to do vintage shopping in? Uh, I mean, I would say, I don't know, I Miami, but like go to like Boca where the retirement communities are. <laughs> go like go wherever your fun rich auntie would live, you know, that has good style. Let's do think about who's getting rid of a lot of clothing. Yeah. And where they might be. And we, honestly, New York City, I mean It's the best. Think about all of the people and and all of the amazing clothes that were worn in this city. I mean, it's all here. But of course, there are other great cities. We're both from the Midwest. I love thrifting in Cleveland, which is where I'm from. We had a great time thrifting in Wisconsin um, when we visited Colin's parents. Thrifting is so cool because it tells you so much about the people that live or that lived there mm-hmm. through the clothes that, that they wore. You know, San Francisco and Oakland, where we're from or where we lived, it's wild. You really saw the shift in the community based on the clothing and the thrift stores, right? I mean, when I used to go to the Castro to a crossroads over there, for a long time, it was like all of this like crazy, all of the gays were getting rid of their like Versace. Yeah, like 90s Johnny Versace. Printed Moschino. And slowly it sh- <laughs> it really shifted over to this like more sort of business casual, maybe still good quality clothes, but, you know, away from the sort of kooky and now it's a bunch of khakis and... <laughs> 
hoodies. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we're being so shady, but but I mean that it really was like such a shift, and it was like wow, yeah. this, it really does tell you so much about about who's who's living there. I'd like to end all of these interviews with like a speed round of culture picks that have made a difference in your life. So for each of you, um, what's on your read, watch, listen list? Watching, uh, what is that show? White Lotus. I really love that. Anything with Jennifer Coolidge. I love, Mm -hmm. um, reading, uh, me talk pretty one day by David Sedaris is what I'm currently reading. Um, I just finished Circe. Did you read that? It's so good. How about you, Colin? What's on your culture picks list? Let's see. Uh, the book I'm reading is called The Sparshalt Affair by uh, Ellen Hollinghurst. It's kind of like queer fiction with a little bit of a historical um, leaning. Watching... And watching a bunch of movies by Wong Kar Wai, uh, like 90s Hong Kong stuff, just the most beautiful imagery. Thinking about decorating our store and we're going to have a new apartment soon. I feel like we're constantly looking for inspiration and things that people aren't doing just with, you know, colors and decor and listening. Kind of a moody 80s electronic stuff, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> What about um, fashion media? What are some of your favorite uh, publications to read and also your favorite Instagram accounts? Oh, well, I'm always on Vogue Runway is my number one app. Yeah. Always scrolling, trying to find the clothes we have, to um, looking at the new shows. It's crazy to think that that we're able to instantly see everything as soon as it's on the runway now. What other, what magazines... I'm just always on Vogue Runway. I, I mean, I'll like, <laughs> I'll like flip through a magazine. You know, the thing about not to be shady again, but at this point, people really, they have to satisfy their advertisers. So it's not like, oh my gosh, I have so many friends who are stylists, so they're going to hate me. But it, so maybe, but you know, it's not like they're being that creative because they have to shoot an entire Chanel Runway look and editorial so it's like where the looks already chosen the Mm. person is already chosen it's all in the contract it's gonna be on a bella hadid or someone like that so they they're basically like do we tuck it in or leave it out (laughs) like that's Uh, the decisions (laughs) you get to make unless i mean there's lots of creative editorial stuff happening on a on a smaller level or even on instagram i think that's true yeah it gives people a lot more leeway to not have to satisfy advertisers but yeah magazines start to look a little repetitive sometimes I grew out of liking Diet Prada, but I'm back into being a Diet Prada girl on Instagram as almost somewhat of a news source now. Yeah, instead of just calling out designers for copying each other. If you want to connect with Colin and Brandon, you can follow them on Instagram at James Valoria. That's J-A-M-E-S. V-E-L-O-R-I-A. They frequently post new stock in their stories. You can also check out their website at jamesvaloria.com. It's almost as fun to browse there as going to the store. Thank you to Rosanna Caban for editing. 
If you want to find out more about Flipboard, where enthusiasts are curating stories they recommend across thousands of interests, download the app or head over to our website at flipboard.com. Anyone can be a curator on Flipboard. Simply create an account and start flipping to share your ideas with the world.